0: Welcome back to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. I'm Kimberly Winston, in this week for Umbreen Khan. We're talking this week about the growing awareness of the spiritual power of older people as our life expectancy grows longer and longer, something doctors and scientists call the new longevity. Lindsay Farrell is a cultural anthropologist who served on the board of an organization in Senegal called The Grandmother Project. The Grandmother Project builds community by connecting older women with adolescent girls. Farrell and a colleague, Jennifer Hanks Allaire, brought that idea to the United States and founded the Grandmother Collective. It works with existing groups and organizations to enlist older women in their ongoing projects. They've helped establish grandmother-led programming in Chicago public schools, trained grandmothers to combat the brain drain in eastern Kentucky, and contributed to a toolkit for grandmothers who want to initiate change in their communities around the world. Grandmothers, Farrell told me, are the glue. I came to her with this question. Why is spirituality important to the new longevity?
1: Geriatric studies and studies on longevity have often been about like, how can we make sure that people grow old and they grow old in a way that's meaningful or that captures a, a well-being and they do so with you know, dignity and respect. And this new longevity, I think, is definitely aligning with meaning. It's aligning with an idea that we advance into this age. And there was I was just listening to, to a podcast where they were talking about doing a life review. That a lot of people reach these these stages of life and have either not fully prepared that they are going to now live for an additional 30 years after they've expended all of their time into growing a career or a family or, or those other things and now they're sort of faced with what do I do with the rest of my life and who am I and what have I achieved and how do I want to leave the world and those are spiritual questions those are those are questions of why we exist and what what we wanted to have achieved. And more and more because of this long period of time that people are living into, this is becoming a real question. There's a lot of organizations thinking about how to help support people into their purpose and like find a new purpose in this later years. And there's a lot of conversations amongst older people as well about what it means to leave the earth in a better
0: place. Tell me about the Grandmother Collective, how it came about, And what its goals are.
1: The grandmother collective emerged during the pandemic. (laughs) There was a real moment of reckoning, I think, for both myself and my co-founder, Jennifer Hanks-Alaire, that the two of us wanted to do something really meaningful. I've always been in social change work, and that is sort of in my blood, but I've been, like my co-founder, really looking for something that could create systemic impact. Um, and so the two of us were on the board of, a, of an organization called The Grandmother Project, which is based in southern Senegal, which recognized that in order to do sustainable, long-term, holistic social change work, that you couldn't be excluding some of the most influential people in a community. And the grandmother emerges as a social category that was being excluded, but is incredibly highly influential, And by excluding grandmothers from developmental processes and, and empowerment programs, founder Judia Bell was noticing that this was kind of detrimental, that you were raising girls without cultural values, that you were raising girls in a place where even sometimes the grandmother would counteract the work, that empowerment program. Um, and so I think Jen and I, you know, we, we had spent quite a bit of time on the board there, and we just thought maybe there's something more here that grandmother uh, as a social category is universal. And by supporting grandmothers to see themselves as agents of change, and by supporting organizations are already recognizing the asset that is older women in society, that we could help to grow. Um, even more social impact. And so what we basically built and what we've been building, because we're still relatively new, is a membership organization. We went out to see if there were other organizations that were recognizing and using grandmothers as a part of their programming, and we found them. And then we also are building a training program so we can support and capacitate older women around the world to see themselves as agents of change, we are really recognizing in our work that there's lots and lots of ways grandmothers can contribute in their communities, and so we're, we're building up resources about that. And then uh, finally, we're helping organizations that don't currently have that sort of sustainable, holistic outlook to bring grandmothers into their programming.
0: If the goal in Senegal, the original goal in Senegal was to pass on knowledge and support to younger women, tell me what were the advantages to the grandmothers that you saw?
1: I don't know if you saw a couple months ago that there was a warning from the U.S. Surgeon General that we are facing a loneliness epidemic in this country. It's something like one in three older adults feels extremely lonely. In addition, young people uh especially young people that are coming of age during this pandemic we we also are seeing a you know a rise in depression and suicide amongst them as well and so what we're finding is that older adults do not feel valued they do not feel connected they do not feel that they are consulted the truth is is in some respects we've done what mark Friedman of the organization co-generate talks about a lot which is to create age segregation so that old people are living in nursing homes or in retirement homes or in retirement communities young people you know are also sort of self-segregating you know you go to school and that's with young people your age and and at the same time we have a lot of age diversity and It's more about how do we navigate across that age segregation than the fact that they don't want it, because they do.
0: How are you seeing this play out in the projects the Grandmother Collective is involved with here in the U.S.? I know you're working in eastern Kentucky right now, and where else?
1: What we're hoping comes out of eastern Kentucky is that The older women that we're working with recognize themselves as the powerful women of wisdom that they are, that they have a lot to contribute and that we're telling them that they should and that we're giving them some tools and resources and helping them plan to rebuild in a community that has actually been hit by compounding challenges over the last few years, not just COVID, but an opioid crisis. The woman that we're working with at the community center is thinking, if we really rally the grandmothers and remind them that they are the center of this community and celebrate them, then, you know, maybe we can start to rebuild. And one that I really like to talk about is an organization based in Southern Oregon called Grandma's To Go. It's amazing. I mean, it sounds really... People go, oh, adopt a grandma, which you hear about. You sort of hear about these adopt a grandma programs. But the organization in Grandma's To Go was founded by a woman who had been a court-appointed children's advocate. She had also done infant massage and postnatal doula, right? So going, at, going to a house after the baby has been born to support the mother and the young child. And she was really recognizing, especially during that CASA work, that the families were often not part of the equation. And that supporting the whole family really needed to happen. And so she she also recognized, like, we have this abundant resource of older women. A lot of them have time on their hands. They really have a longing to be grandmotherly, like to, to actually grandmother. We talk about that verb a lot, to grandmother. And so, and some of them, like, their grandchildren are far. And so they're not getting that that regular dosage of connection to a family. So she put an ad in the local paper and said, I'm starting this project. Some women showed up, she trained them, you know, in really culturally sensitive, family sensitive ways to make sure that they could go into different families. And working through the local systems, paired them up, matched them up with families to be grandmothers, not babysitters. They're, they're actually never left alone with the children, but they come to hold a baby so a mom can shower, to do some dishes, to just sit around and drink coffee and listen, to really be that extra support from a
0: woman who's been there. So do we have an idea yet of how many lives touched or how many projects? What, any way you can quantify this is helpful.
1: Well, we have 16 organizations. We can't take credit for their impact, but some of them have really had really wide-scale impact. There's an organization called Barefoot College that's been around around for many years that great trains grandmothers from the most off-grid communities in the world as solar technicians. They bring back solar to their communities. That provides economic opportunity. And the reason that they're targeting grandmothers, they can also be really young, right? So in, in some communities in the world, a grandmother could be 45. You know, it's not, this isn't a 70-year-old that's getting trained as a solar technician. But train a grandma, you're pretty sure because of their orientation towards the community, that it's going to have exponential impact. I mean, in terms of our own scale, you know, we're still really young. We're pushing out our message on social media. We hope that we can continue to grow an army of grandmas, but we're getting there slowly.
0: And I'm wondering, whatever your own religious or spiritual background is, did that in any way lead you to the Grandmother Collective?
1: Raised going to a Congregationalist church in Phoenix, Arizona. My father was agnostic, and my mother was raised Presbyterian. And the reason we started going to this church was because they had a very vibrant theater program. And we were drawn in to this incredible community of people that were putting on pretty great musicals and plays in the sanctuary at this church. I think really that that early community aspect that I got from being surrounded by so many adults that were really passionate about putting something out into the world definitely compels me to think about the roles that we're playing in society. And so grandmothers and older women have such a contribution to make if we talk about Grandmothers with almost anyone, they start to tell us about their grandma or an older woman that made this big impact, and I think a lot of that really is rooted in my memories of this really vibrant community that I was part of and then I'm an anthropologist, which means that I've studied religion, and I just know it's there's nowhere in the world that doesn't have faith that doesn't have a divine. And actually, for the Grandmother Collective, we talk quite a bit about female elders and their sacredness, because you can see this universally around the world, that in non-Western, non-patriarchal societies, that grandmothers are celebrated and actually seen sometimes as divine. That in and of itself tells me that there's something really unique about a woman that, you know, has reached an older age and the role that they can play in society.
0: Grandmothers are sacred. Yeah. Well, as a grandmother, that, that <laughs> chokes me up. <laughs> but um, let, let me ask you a little bit more about that idea of older women slash grandmothers. Because I mean you don't I assume you don't have to have given birth to a child who's given birth to a no, child. No, no. Exactly. Mm. So considering older women as sacred, if we ignore that, what do we lose?
1: everything on earth is a balance and, and we know that we're out of balance. I think we know that, right? The earth is not in balance right now. This is why we have a shift in our climate. This is why we have a shift in our politics. We're not in balance and say what you will about gender and its spectrum. And, you know, I I truly believe binaries are not that useful. However, Masculine and feminine, again, is one of those cultural universals. And if we are leaning more towards masculine attributes, which don't necessarily always, you know, correlate with males, but masculine attributes like competition, like violence, uh, not violence, maybe, you know, more like, you know, war so, it's a, or yeah or yeah. Something. Mm-hmm. yeah um and we lose the feminine compassion care empathy sensitivity things that we just typically would, would relate with feminine then we're out of balance and i think a lot
0: of there's My guest kind of this movement Peril, re- co-founder of the, the Grandmother feminine, collective. sacred We have a link to 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 the Grandmother Collective on our website, as well as a link to Farrell's podcast, Amon Magic. You're listening to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. um, Stay with us.
1: And what that could mean for us would be maybe that we, you know, get back in balance to bring that back.